great blessing to be here uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. All right, I got to get that figured out because uh, uh, about a year ago I was coming to Kansas and I said, I wonder how far Kansas City, Missouri is from Kansas City, Kansas. And I looked it up and I found out they're awfully close. <laughs> so it tells you how much I knew about the area uh, before I got here. But it is a great blessing uh, to be here, again, to be here with uh, uh, Pastor Schaefer and his family, and thankful for what God has uh, led him to come here to do, and uh, we're excited about uh, the future here at Eagle Heights Baptist Church and uh, reaching this area for, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? Because I think we can all agree that we're living in a day where people need Jesus Christ as their Savior, amen? With all the problems we got going on in our nation... Uh, the answer is Jesus Christ, and uh, we need to get that gospel message out. Take your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. <clears throat> you know, with its 195 million unchurched people, America has become really the new mission field of the world. We don't want to admit that here in America, because America is the mission sending capital of the world. And uh, so we don't want to look at that as, as our need here in this country, but really, America needs Jesus Christ as their Savior. America has more unchurched people than the entire population of all but 11 of the world's 194 nations. All right, so you take 11 nations out, there's more unchurched people in this country than in the rest of those nations all combined. The unchurched population in the United States is so extensive that if it were a nation, so we took all of those not going to church. Now when I say not going to church, so the rest that are going to church, you know, whatever type of church, but you take all those that are not going to church in America today, it would be the fifth largest nation on the planet. Right now, and when I say right now, the statistics I have are pre-COVID. So pre-COVID, 18% of Americans were going to church on a Sunday morning. And again, when I say church, anything and everything that called itself a church, 18% were going to. I think we'd be lucky to say now, even with the online things, and I know a lot of people say they're watching online and so forth. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping you were doing it faithfully, all right? Not making breakfast for your kids while it was on behind you, all right? But actually sitting down and, and participating, all right? But uh, uh, I believe right now we're well below the 18% of Americans uh, that are in church service of any type on a Sunday morning. They are predicting, by the way, that within the next 15 years, that is going to drop to 8% of this nation will be going to church on any given Sunday morning. Now, England used to be the missions capital of the world, sending out missionaries around the world, if you know your history. And uh, for years, we said in America, that'll never happen here. Folks, we're on that brink now. It is happening in our nation now. And if we don't do something about it now, we're going to just become just like them. There are many churches in England that you can go to that are now dance halls, bars, <coughs> shopping plazas. On the outside, they still look like the church building that it used to be. You go inside... And they're serving alcohol and dancing and all sorts of things that are going on in these places that used to be houses of worship, houses that honored and glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. We're seeing that happen more and more here in America. 
uh, where I, my home church is in Michigan. Please forgive me. All right, I am a Ohio State fan, but God has called me to the mission field of Michigan. And so uh, my home church is there. But uh, many of you might have heard of Dearborn, Michigan. The largest Iraqi population in North America is in Dearborn, Michigan. There are several former independent Bible-believing Baptist churches like this one in the Dearborn area that if you go to those buildings today, and we don't know why they do this, but the Muslims have bought them all. They still have the church steeple on the front and a dome in the middle. And I think they like to show that, hey, look at what we have done. Look at what we have taken over. And we see that throughout that area of uh, Detroit. And again, many places across this country where churches are closing their doors. Over 5,000 churches every year closing their doors in the United States of America. And actually, I've heard since COVID that number has skyrocketed because so many churches were on their last leg. And with the whole COVID thing, it forced a lot more uh, to shut down uh, across our nation. Now, if we had a missionary come today and share with you some statistics about going to com- country X, we're going to this country and only 18% or less than 18% go to church. If you take it down to churches like this one, it's less than 2% of that nation. We would say that nation needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And because that nation needs the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to send a missionary to that nation so that they can come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And again, my challenge this morning is that needs to happen here. We need to have that heart here for our country also. Now, now listen, don't get me wrong. I am not against foreign missions. As a pastor of 20 years, we always supported foreign missions. It is a biblical thing to do. But it can't just be we reach our Jerusalem and our uttermost. We're going to look at that in a little bit more detail here uh, in, in a moment. We also need to reach our nation with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be a passion of ours. It ought to be in our hearts today. And so just as much as we want to send a missionary to a foreign country to reach that nation with the gospel, we ought to want to do that here in our own nation. And guess what? Who are the missionaries to America today? It is the pastors and churches that are here. Let me explain. You send a missionary to Australia, for example. You expect them to go there and do what? Set up a surf shop, hand out a few tracks. No, we expect them to go and plant a church. And when he gets there, he can just relax now. He's got a church planted. He's good to go for 30 years, right? No. You know what we do to our missionaries who go to the foreign field? We demand they continually plant churches in that country. Because how are you going to reach that country with the gospel unless you plant churches throughout the country, right? We get that. We understand that. What are we doing here? The missionaries to America. What are we doing in our nation? This used to be a very common thing. Some of you uh, older folks here in the church remember the days when church plants were going on all over the nation. Uh, Pastors were calling their sister churches and asking them to come and help. Many of you probably drove several hours to go help birth a new church. You were excited. It, it It was a thrill. There was a drive. And some guy in the early 80s wrote a book on the largest Sunday schools in America. And churches in America got their eyes off of reaching the United States and building their large empire so that they can get their name in the book. Now again, I'm not opposed to 
seeing church growth. If I came back here next year and you're running a thousand, I'm not going to suggest you fire your pastor. Okay? But the thing is, I would be disappointed if you're running a thousand and all you care about is reaching this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ and that's it. Because that's not biblical. That ought not to be our biblical focus. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. We see here the heart of the great apostle Paul. And he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is. He had a heart's desire. That word desire is a focus, a longing for something you do not yet have. Let me illustrate that. Those of you who have had your children get married, right? They get back from their honeymoon. Mom sits down with daughter and says, when are we getting them grandkids? Right? What are you longing for? What are you hoping for? You're hoping for something you don't yet have. Right? And grandkids are amazing. Praise the Lord. We're up to five. All right? Hallelujah. Much better than the kids. All right? You know, those of you who are kids here today, give your kids grandparents, and they're, they're going to love them more than you, and that's all right. All right? Uh, but anyhow, uh, you know, we long for something that we did not have. Here's the Apostle Paul longing for, desiring for something that had not yet come to fruition. What was it? It was something for his nation. What was Israel to Paul? Israel was his nation, his soil, his land, and most importantly, his people. His fellow citizens. What did he want for them? Now, in Paul's day, Israel was ruled by the Romans. We, I've heard people complain about government in this country. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay, yeah, we all know it's true, all right? Amen. And so we complain about, could you imagine if China actually ruled? Chinese soldiers were on our streets and we had to follow Chinese law in this country? How happy would we be about that? Right? We wouldn't even have rights, never mind, you know, trying to stand up for them. You wouldn't even have rights if that was the case. Israel was under Roman Empire, ruled at that time. And Paul's heart's desire could have been that their nation would have freedom. Their nation would come back to self-rule. Their nation would have prosperity. And again, there's nothing wrong. Listen, there's an election coming up. You ought to be praying about that. You ought to be praying biblically who it is that you should support and vote for uh, in your area. And of course, for uh, the president, uh, who's going to be the next president uh, of the United States. You ought to be praying about all of those things. But I... Dare to say here today that in America, Christians, fundamental Bible-believing, independent Baptist Christians, have spent more time in the last three months on social media uh, criticizing political parties, people, uh, debating why their candidate is better than somebody else's candidate, why this position is better than that position. And again, having some of those discussions is not necessarily wrong. But Paul's desire, his longing for his nation that had not taken place yet, the thing that he was longing to have happen in his nation, the number one thing that he wanted for his people was what? In verse number one, that they might be saved. So the longing was not for political freedom. 
uh, it wasn't for certain rights to be maintained and so forth. And again, those things are good to pray about. Those things are okay to discuss. But how much time have you spent on social media, on your phone, talking with friends about all of these political issues? And how much time have you spent in the last three months on your knees praying that America would be saved? How much time have we spent thinking about how this country needs Jesus Christ and praying that God would see that accomplished in our day, the generation that God has called us to reach? How much time have we spent? Paul's desire was so burning within him, it caused him to fall on his knees and pray. We look around our nation and we criticize and we complain and, and uh, we, we call uh, people from both parties' names and all of these things. But how much time have we been so burdened for our nation to be saved that when was the last time you could say, I've fallen on my knees and spent time begging God that this nation would come to know Christ as their Savior? Now, how would Paul see this accomplished? How could we see... If he see his nation one to Christ, how can we see the America one to, to Jesus Christ with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, some simple principles we're going to learn here this morning and review here this morning. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter number 28, please. Matthew chapter uh, number 28. And uh, we'll look at a very uh, uh, familiar verse. Most of you probably know it from memory. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. Go ye there and teach all nations. That's seeing people saved. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's seeing people saved now. And then baptized into the membership of the church. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And that is discipleship. Right? That is teaching people the Word of God. That is taking somebody from being a newborn believer. The day I got saved, you know what? I didn't know there was an Old and New Testament. I thought there was just a Bible. That's how much I knew. If the pastor would have said, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, I went to the index to find out where Genesis was. Okay, I didn't know it was the first verse of the Bible. All right? That's how green of a Christian I was, all right? So I had to be discipled, amen? <laughs> all right? And I tell you, there was a lot of things I did not have a clue about. And so I kept learning and learning and learning. That's what it's talking about here. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen? This passage of Scripture is known as the Great Commission. And I want to say to you today that the Great Commission is church planting. You might say, well, yeah, you're saying that because you're a church planting missionary. Of course you would say that. Well, let me explain here. The Great Commission is given to the local church. I serve with Baptist Church Planting Ministry. We are now in our 26th year. People ask us how, all the time, how many churches has Baptist Church Planting Ministry uh, started and I go praise the Lord we haven't started any and people look at me funny like you've been around for 26 years you're trying to raise mission support to help start churches and in 26 years you haven't started one yet I go nope that's right we haven't started one yet and, and again people just look at me like this is crazy like why on earth would any church support Baptist Church Planning Ministry if you haven't started any churches 
And the reason is, biblically, Baptist church planting ministry has no authority to start a church. The authority to start a church rests with a local church. Because only the local church can fulfill the Great Commission. And so what does this very community need to have the Great Commission fulfilled? It needs a church. And thank God Eagle Heights is here. Amen? And so you have been planted here. You didn't exist. I I looked it up in Genesis. I did not see on the third day God spoke into existence, Eagle Heights Baptist Church, all right? Didn't happen. There was a day that this church was planted. Why? To fulfill the Great Commission in this community. And so you are to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, today, I, I don't know everyone here, anybody here other than the pastor and, and his father. I met him before. All right. But, uh, uh, you know, today, I don't know if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We talk about this. We're talking about how America needs Christ. At age 16, I walked into a church just like this one. At age 16, guess what? You're going to live forever. You know everything. And you don't need anything, right? You got life by the horns, right? And somebody shared with me the gospel, how I was lost, that I sinned against God, and that I could not pay the price for my own sin, and I needed Jesus Christ as my Savior. And today, if you do not know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, when you leave here, that you're on your way to heaven, you say, well, what are you talking about, preacher? How can somebody know? Well, if that's your thought right now, how can somebody know? At the end of the service... There's something going to take place. We call it an invitation. See, the preaching time is a time for God to speak to you. The invitation time for you to come and speak to the Lord. And the pastor will have somebody here to be able to share with you from God's Word. Not how you can become a member of Eagle Heights Baptist Church, but how you can become a child of God. How you can know Jesus Christ, your Savior. That's how the Great Commission starts out. Amen? And so today, if you're not saved, I'd encourage you uh, to do that. But the Great Commission is given to the local church. So you say, all right, preacher, let's review. As a church, are we doing things to reach this community for Christ? Yes, I'm sure you are. Amen. Uh, Have you ever seen anybody baptized here? Well, I'm guessing church is old enough. You've had to have had a baptism service by now. (laughs) All right. And so, all right. So people have been baptized. Have you done any discipleship? I'm sure, of course, the answer is yes. So therefore, you're fulfilling the Great Commission. Well, let's see about that. Let's take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. The Bible clearly tells a church where they are commanded by God to fulfill the Great Commission. All right? And so, by the way, I mentioned earlier we hadn't helped start any, or we didn't start any churches. Our ministry has helped churches like this one now. Start 176. Don't want to leave you hanging on that one, all right? But uh, so 176, actually 177 as of uh, the, today, all right? 177 as of today, all right? And, uh, but, uh, so this church is commanded to fulfill the Great Commission. Where is it commanded to fulfill the Great Commission? According to this verse, it says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So you've heard this, mess, this verse pre, preached many times. The key part of this verse is that first part. I know you all know where I'm going with the, the last part here. But the first part of this verse says that we need churches 
that have the power of Christ resting upon them. We need churches where the members are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. The church is being led by the Holy Spirit. That's not a mystical thing. All right, if I said here, uh, you know, by the time I'm done preaching here, the Spirit of God will be upon me. When I leave here, I can just float to the foyer, right? No, all right, I still have to walk, all right, okay? It's not a mystical thing that's going to happen, all right? What that simply means, walking in the Spirit, is that I am in the Word of God. I'm coming to church hearing the preaching of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is taking the Word of God and guiding me and directing me and leading me in my life. Amen? Amen? Don't ever come to your pastor and say, uh, the Holy Spirit of God has told me to rob a bank. He's not going to lead you to sin, all right? <laughs> it's never going to happen, all right? So don't ever come, to, and I use that as an extreme uh, example. I have had as a pastor many people tell me the Holy Spirit of God has led them to do things. And I'd say, no, he didn't. How do you know? How do you know what the Spirit of God told me? i just pull up the Bible and say, this is what the Bible teaches on that. He would never lead you to do that. Amen? And so we are in the book. Your pastor is leading you according to the book. And he preaches a sermon uh, from the Word of God. And he has an invitation. The invitation time is for you to zip up your Bibles, get your coats ready so you can go eat. No, that's not what it's about. The invitation time is for you to respond by the leading of the Holy Spirit to make a decision based off what you've been fed. You have your devotions at home, you do that individually at home. You take time to read your Bible at the cool of the day and God speaks to you through His Word, you make a decision there in those times also where you're being led by the Holy Spirit. So a church is to be walking in the Spirit led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit of God to fulfill the Word of God. And so we are told today, we are looking at today, how as a church, you are to fulfill the Great Commission. So the Spirit of God right now is, is speaking to Eagle Heights Baptist Church and saying, listen, you are to fulfill the Great Commission. Where are you to fulfill the Great Commission? Easily, it goes on to say, and you shall be witnesses unto me both. Now that means both at the same time is what that means. So these four areas we're going to look at must be being done at the same time. What are those areas? We are to reach, we are to be witnesses both in Jerusalem. All right, you have Jerusalem. You have your Jerusalem. What is your Jerusalem? What is the effective outreach area of Eagle Heights Baptist Church, the area that God has called you to, the, the people uh, of this nation that God has led you to get the gospel to. And of course, you can uh, look at areas like Gladstone, North Kansas City, uh, Liberty. All right. These are the areas that this church could effectively reach out to, win people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they could come uh, to this church. All right. And you guys know those areas better than I do. You can picture them in your mind. And you could say, yes, I could see us going over there and uh, inviting people to come to church. And those people could come to church here and they could be taught the gospel and, and saved and, and baptized and discipled and all of those things. That can happen right here at Eagle Heights Baptist Church. Amen. That is your Jerusalem. And listen, uh, every church member 
If you're being led by the Spirit, ought to have a burden to reach that area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he goes on, and he says, in all Judea. Well, what was Judea? So you got to think, Paul was actually talking about, or the book of Acts here is actually talking about, you know, the literal Jerusalem. All right, then, so you have the Jerusalem as the city. Judea was the province, the area around Jerusalem. All right, and so you could look at that today as uh, your county, you know, your state. But of course, you know, really, you can't really say your state here because uh, that other part of Kansas City is awfully close. All right, so amen. And so uh, uh, it'd be another state too. But think about a two-hour drive from this church. A two-hour drive from this church is an effective area that your church could reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you say, now, Brother Us, that doesn't make sense. How on earth can this church effectively reach people two hours away? I had a member tell me once, now, Brother Rust, I don't care what you say. If I lived 45 minutes away, I would drive every service to this church. And I go, yes, you would. I know you would. I know you love this church and you're actively involved in this church. However, could you invite your neighbor to this church? Could you invite the the gas station attendant to come to the church 45 minutes away? An unsaved person is going to get in their car on a Sunday morning and get up extra early on a Sunday morning to come check out this church. No, they're not. That's how, why we need to do something. But you say, Brother Russ, Eagle Heights Baptist Church is responsible to start a church or to have it to reach people 45 minutes away, an hour away, hour and a half away, two hours away. How are we going to do that? Well, the way you're going to do that is by birthing churches out of this church. Amen. It's exciting. My wife and I met back when the earth was still cooling, young people. All right. So, uh, all right, not quite that old, but uh, all right, we met quite a while ago. And we fell in love and we got married. We had three children. We raised those three children and hallelujah, they've all moved out. Amen. And, uh, uh, and so I told your pastor, I said, one day, one day, praise and by Daniel. Uh, so ours have all moved out. You know what they've done? They all got married. And they all now have children. Well, two of the three do. All right. The one's backslidden, all right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying backslidden because he hasn't given us grandkids, all right? But, uh, uh, but anyhow, so two of the three have had children already, right? So what have we done? We have reproduced, and one day, God's going to take us home. And we have left, left three children, three in-law children, and so far, five grandchildren behind. Amen? So we leave, but yet we leave a heritage behind. And folks, that's what reproducing a church means. You have a church. This is the mother church. And you will, we'll talk about tonight a little bit more how that happens. But you raise up and you reproduce yourself 45 minutes away, one hour away, an hour and 45 minutes away to these other communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then it says Samaria. Well, Samaria in, in Bible days was a little farther away, yet it was the, the next area. You've got Judea, then Samaria. Of course, Samaria was the area that was looked down upon, hated and despised. I don't know what your Samaria would be here, all right? In, in, uh, in Ohio, we say Samaria is Michigan, all right? And, uh, but uh, um, you've got to just think a little farther out now. 
Okay? This church is kind of hard for you to send helpers to a church that's four hours away and five hours away, but that would be your Samaria, right? And so you can help support a church planner going to those areas, and, and uh, you can uh, go and give a one-time gift to help that church get us started. You can buy a PA system. So many things that you can do to help that church plant get started, and you become like a, 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 a sister church to the mother church that's birthing. All right, and again, these are all uh, illustrations I'm talking about. Amen? We all understand. You probably heard the church term. There's a, another church that you fellowship with is like a sister church, right? And so one of them is birthing a church. You come along like the ant and say, we're going to help, all right? And uh, be a part of that and be a blessing and so forth. And so that's how it just keeps going. Now, listen, this is the exciting thing to me. Think about this. There's about 13,000 churches like this one in the United States of America right now. 13,000. If 13,000 churches like this one had a heavy longing to see America one to Christ, such a heavy longing that it got them to their knees. We'll talk about that again a little bit more uh, this evening service. But 13,000 churches praying over their Jerusalem. You know what that means? 13,000 different Jerusalems being prayed over. The church that both of us pastors in Toledo, Ohio. My home church now is up in Michigan. Those are two different Jerusalems. Right? There's 13,000 Jerusalems out there that they could be prayed over. You know what else? There's 13,000 different Judeas and 13,000 different Samarias. Now picture this. If churches across this land had a biblical vision a biblical longing like the Apostle Paul had, a biblical heaviness of heart that leads them to their knees to beg God that the people of their Jerusalem would get saved, the people of their Judea would get saved, and because of that longing, they did what the Bible tells them to do and go plant churches in those areas. And then they had a biblical vision to see their Samarias come to know Christ. And because of that, they got biblically involved with seeing churches planted in their Samaria. Just think what God could accomplish in the United States of America today. We think Donald Trump is the answer to America. No, he's not. He's, he's a human leader. Right? Some of you might think Joe Biden uh, is the answer to America. No, he's not. This policy, that policy, this direction, that direction, fighting for this, fighting for that. If we just had this, America would be saved. You know how many of uh, the older folks here have been saying every election, if we just had this, America would be better. And you know what? Some of you remember the 50s and the 60s. How is things going? Better? Uh, okay, we might have some more conveniences. Our cars are a little nicer. Amen. All right, we got uh, air conditioning in them now and all that stuff. We feel great. But morally, and the state of our nation is getting worse and worse. The answer to America is Jesus Christ. It is churches like this one spending time praying and begging God to see this Jerusalem one to Christ. Your Judea won to Christ. Your Samaria won to Christ. Spending time doing what the Bible commands us to do. See, Paul.
Paul didn't just pray and then get into his recliner, take out his remote control and drink some coffee and say, boy, I hope it happens. He begged God and then he followed the scriptures. And we need churches that are going to spend some time on their knees. And then they're going to get up. And under leadership of their pastor is going to follow what the word of God says. And you're going to actively be involved with getting the gospel out in your Jerusalem, inviting people to church, witnessing, sharing, doing all those things. You're going to be doing things to reach your Judea. You're going to be doing things to reach your Samaria. And again, if every church like this one was doing this across this land, I believe revival could come back to America. I believe America would be one to Christ. And guess what? If a revival comes to America, you know what's going to happen to Washington? They'll change. They might not get saved, but if they want to get voted in, they'll change. Right? We understand that. We understand how those, those guys think and how those guys operate. And, and so uh, getting out there and running nasty ads about one another is not going to change their minds. But winning people to Jesus Christ, getting them filled with the Holy Spirit of God, Christians across this land living the book, they're going to want to vote the book, and therefore our nation will come back to being a nation that is founded upon God's Word, that has Christian values, family values, wholesome values across this nation. That's not going to happen unless you and I work together to get the gospel out into our area that God has called us to. You might say, well, who are we? What can we do? We're just one church. You know, we've helped birth now 177 churches. Those 177 churches give over $4 million a year to missions. You know how? One of them has a billionaire who gives $4 million. No, that's not how it works. You know what it is? They have faith promise missions and they say, listen, God's laid it on your heart. Somebody gives $5, some child gives a dollar, somebody gives $100 a week, right? But you got 176 churches all working together, it's $4 million. Now that's 176 churches. I said there's 13,000 churches like this one. I don't know what that number is. But it's a lot more than $4 million a year going to world evangelism. How? from individual people and small churches like this one all across the country doing their part. We sit here and think, what can we do? How can we see America one to Christ? The same way that missions gets raised and dollars are sent around the world, send missionaries around the world, the same thing can happen here. Church after church after church after church, family after family, church member after church member doing their part. And if we all band together, led by the Spirit of God, I believe great things can be accomplished and God can do great things to reach our nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, are you willing to spend some time not just thinking about politics and the problems and the and COVID, and all of the concerns across our nation. Yeah, I know we got to think about them, and I know we should pray about them. But are you willing to spend some time to pray that God would challenge churches like this one to reach their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria, and yes, the uttermost. Again, I am not opposed 
to reaching the uttermost, sending missionaries to the foreign field. It is a biblical thing that we ought to do, but we can't just reach Jerusalem and the uttermost. We've got to reach the entire area that God wants us to do, just like our foreign missionaries do. And as we do that, America can be one to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time in your word here this morning. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would work in hearts and lives. That as believers, we'd be saying, listen, I am going to spend time every week begging you to work through the hearts and lives of believers to win America back to Christ. God, I pray that decisions would be made today that would honor and glorify you. We pray in Christ's precious name. Amen.